Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 1st of December 2019. After doing a lot of shoveling all week, for snow of course, and ice, a lot of ice, I forgot, even today, I was out doing the same thing today, just hacking away at the ice and shoveling the snow, and... It was, it was just like I'd never stopped, in fact, because I was still shoveling snow this year. It was this year in April into May. I mean, pretty well, that's what was going on. Incredible snow all through the end of last year. Actually, for last September, last year, it snowed right through until basically <laughs> the, the May. And uh, tremendous snow it was, very high. Every day it seemed to be more and more snow. Well, this, and here you go, it's like you never stop shoveling snow now. In the same year, I'm still shoveling snow again after uh, a very few months of warmer weather. And, and it's getting worse every year now because of, well, global warming. You know, it's returning to an ice planet, it seems. But that's the way it goes in this amazing system of indoctrination, incessant indoctrination and propaganda that we get our whole lives now. It's astonishing, really, how repetitive and how how much you're getting downloaded with from all different directions. They've got stuff and ads and everything now, and little bits and pieces of indoctrination and propaganda. It is everywhere, absolutely everywhere. And I've talked about it before, how we're living in a system that was taken over an awful long time ago, awful long time ago. And it's quite interesting uh, that I've, I've mentioned years ago too about technocracy for, as an example. I'll touch on that tonight too. How it's, it really it came in in the 1930s. It's another little branch, and I'm pretty certain of it, a little branch attached to the new socialistic order of control and management uh, by, by technocrats, basically. And I know that Rockefeller Foundation adopted a lot of their planning because they already had it in their agenda that the world's resources should take, be taken over by the right kind of people like Rockefeller themselves, you know, and, and the multi-billionaires of, of their day and the big institutions that ran the British Empire, as an example, on behalf of the city of London and all the bankers and all the big wealthy families there. So it, it's all one big system, and it never went away. And we know, we know that from people who were the historians for the Council on Foreign Relations, which was the American branch of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which came out of the Lord Alfred Milner Group, that uh, the right people should always be in manage of all the resources of the planet. And, of course, that was what Cecil Rhodes and others were doing uh, for, the, for the British section for, for long before that. Uh, taking over gold, diamonds, and minerals, and all the things that you needed for, for commerce and manufacture were being taken over. That's, that's been put into a fewer and fewer hands. Until today, uh, you have, as Quigley said, Carl Quigley, he said that the future leaders uh, will be running the world in a feudalistic fashion, and these leaders would be the CEOs of corporations, international corporations. Well, here you are. And part of it, of course, was technocracy. Technocracy Inc. was a system, part of a system of many systems which all mesh together in one. It takes a lot of bricks to build the pyramid, basically a lot of blocks, and that was one of them, one of the very important ones. It never went away, it existed before World War II. And you'll find when you go into the history books, for example, and I think there were some good documentaries done years ago on how the West basically set up communism and funded it, and, and they sent groups of their best engineers over to Russia. They even built towns for them, uh, which were modeled on American suburbs with all the same kind of houses next door to each other and so on, and nice wide streets, etc., etc. You'd be astonished how the U.S. funded all this stuff, funding communism, your supposed arch enemy. Communism, remember, was a system which said they would overthrow all existing systems and eliminate all, all the, 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 the old uh, political-type rulers 
uh, who ruled on behalf of, of those with the big money at the top. Well, it's, the folk who had the big money at the top were funding communism, folks. Of course they were. And through it, of course, they could see their ideal system coming into view. Now, they also had to bring in a system of managing all economies. And that's why you have the World Bank. And we know, again, from the from the books put out by the Royal Institute for International Affairs and Carl Quigley, a historian for the same big organization, and CFR, the American branch, he, he talks about how they set up a World Bank. The World Bank. It's a private bank, but it's called the World Bank. And we all fund it, by the way. Everything's public-private, where the, where, the, where the cattle, the people at the bottom, the proles, fund everything for big business and the big banks. The big banks, you see. The ones who do international lending and so on, and lend to governments and so on. Private, of course. And they also set up the Bank for International Settlements, the same private organization. And and they basically decide what everybody's um, currency is worth every day and that day and so on, and, and how much money you'll owe down the road when you go bankrupt, or what what land they'll take from you and so on. That's what it's all about. And and they have the IMF, which comes in, steps in if you can't pay your loans in different countries, and and they cut back on your health care and, and 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 social policies and so on in order to pay back the money they're owed. It's not, a, it's not a charitable institution. It's very profitable for the few who own it. And it's very secretive too, by the way. Years ago, I did talks. And anyway, for me, it's all boring stuff because it's, it's old stuff and repetition to me. Although there's always folk coming in all the time who've never heard of this stuff before. It's true. Those who know it have to remind themselves once in a while that a lot of folk don't know it, uh, who actually might want to know. Most folk don't care how they're ruled. That's true. That's very true. But anyway, getting back to technocracy, this is the engineers and the scientists who are supposed to run the world in this new brave system, this world government type system. And they, they, wanted, they, they, they wanted to be put in charge of running the world and its economies and its finances and all this industry and how the people would live. That's where you're in today, and sustainability and the green movement, all, it's all part of it. And sustainability is to bring you down and down and down, and to, as I've said years ago, the United Nations agenda for austerity, you're to be brought down to poverty. <laughs> That's what they meant by that. And what they've done in the meantime, you've got, you've got hordes of youngsters brainwashed in school to act as basically revolutionary armies. To stop us living the way we're living and to reduce the standard of living drastically and elimination of meat and everything until you get starvation kicking in. And technocracy, remember, had us all down as energy units. I've mentioned this for years, energy units. We are classed as energy units. And all transactions are classed as energy, you see. You don't think that dollar being, but a dollar is energy what it can buy, you see. And you buy your food, and that's energy too. Everything's energy, energy, energy. And if you're using too much energy, you must perish, according to the technocrats at the top. That's what it's about, folks. So the green movement, sustainability, all these socialistic socialism policies, and even Gorbachev, I mean, the communist leader, put in charge of a, a section of this whole thing in the green movement for, for America. Folk don't put it all together. And there's no clash between his policies and the, and the big corporations that manufacture and run the system and own everything and really run everything that we need to exist. You've got to think about it that way. So I'll just touch on that tonight too. And don't forget too that technocracy also has really the trilaterals, again, experts in their fields who are unelected people appointed into politics and into central banking systems and so on across the world. And sometimes out of the central banking system and straight in like they did in Italy and Greece too, appointing the trilateral members straight in as to head the countries when they're being bankrupted by the central banking system of Europe. It's, it's a vastly different world than, again, we're trained to believe it is. And that's also why terrorism comes into it. I can remember 25 years ago, at least 25 years ago, when it, it, when it was fairly quiet, 
in the world for, for the general population of the West. And that newspaper articles talking about the world to come, and with a, if a world, if you had a world without warfare, what were the big tech giants involved in the war industries going to do? And they said, well, the future will have to be a world um, where they can make their money selling um, security equipment and camera surveillance and, and, and techniques to to monitor whole cities and countries and nations and continents. Well. When you read these articles and you read and you see the, the big the big wigs who are attending these global meetings, they plan the future. They always do, but they couldn't do it. They couldn't bring all this surveillance in to system without the guise of of terrorism. That's what they use for it. For those who can't figure it, you you think it's all accidental that that the U.S. primarily and Britain. Uh, went off to war in Iraq and and Afghanistan. They've got everybody involved in it. You know, the, the Australian troops and everything over in Afghanistan, and Canadian ones too. So they get them all involved in a in a war that made no sense to anybody except those at the top, because when the blowback of the war is into Iraq, right through to Libya, uh, again the the PNAC group. Uh, the Project for New American Century, they published the countries they wanted to be taken out and had General Wesley Clark. I mentioned before to a democracy now, when the generals who was involved in it, and, and, and he, he saw the list and he, he couldn't believe it himself. He says, why, why do we have all these countries to take out? Well, now you know the blowback, and that's what it's called, they called it blowback, of these countries. They're being attacked, but when they're being brought into, put into the Stone Age, basically, all the infrastructure, essential infrastructure for, for producing food, uh, even baby formula in Iraq, it was one of the first targets they hit, by the way, uh, had to be destroyed. Well, the folks started to move out. And then, the, then through the UN, uh, uh, suddenly the countries that are at war with them bring lots and lots of them in. Who are, and they're not happy people being bombed out of their homes. And having their... their, their can, you, can you imagine being descended from people who've been there for maybe hundreds and thousands of years in some of these places and losing that heritage and your memory, everything demolished by nations who then bring you in. And do you think they're going to be happy campers? Really? Come on, start thinking about it. Well, because of it all too, of course you had problems and of course you got trouble. And we saw the another well televised thing. It seems to be they always seem to pick the the, the London Bridge for some reason. It's got so many cameras on it apparently. So I guess they maybe they hope that they'll be seen on on television or something. But uh, that happened again with more folk getting stabbed, etc. And and I think in Holland too, other folk got it too. But it's to get everybody terrified. So your old systems where folk didn't go around stabbing folk. Um, spontaneously, it didn't happen out of the blue. It suddenly happens, and you get trained to accept it. Just accept it, you're told. It's astonishing. You're just told to accept it by politicians. And that happened in Britain, by the way. Just accept these things. Well, that, that was completely unacceptable years ago before they invaded all those countries. It didn't happen. But now you're told to accept it. And it doesn't matter how many cameras they put, they never stop it. Because they have no intentions of stopping it. They've got to have this happening. The guy who did it in England and a couple of days ago there in London, it was a convicted terrorist who some years ago, with a, a gang of, of his pals, had drawn up lists of, of places they wanted to bomb in London. And they were caught. I don't know if they were set up with a sting or whatever, but they were caught and convicted. And he was put on probation. Until eventually he did what he wanted to do, and that was it. And now they're going to the farce of what was well, the probation officer's fault. Come off it. Come off it. They got the, these, guys, these guys are let go until they eventually do what, what had to happen. And then the folk get terrified, and then out comes the, the, the bigwigs that are here to protect you, and we'll need more surveillance, and, and you can't have privacy of any kind at all. 
to keep you safe. This, this is technocracy across the world. Because technocracy was to bring in a new system. And you couldn't have, uh, you couldn't have democracy. Exactly the same, of course, as the Club of Rome, who said themselves, democracy is just too slow and cumbersome, and you can't get all the vital things done that you want to do. That's, that's technocrats talking. It's also the oligarchy at the top talking. The richest people on the planet. As I say, most folk are, are unaware of all. And what Maurice Strong and all these characters were doing, bringing in all their different uh, parts of the sustainability movement and their Agenda 21 project for the whole 21st century, and then the sections of it up to 2030 and so on, what, what they were doing, Maurice, they're technocrats. That's what they're picked to do. We don't vote these people in. We have no say in the matter. They're just presented to us, or they present themselves to us through big institutions. So nothing that you see is what you're trained to believe it is, including your country, or democracy, or anything else, or those you... Do you realize the massive machinery behind uh, Whitehall in London? Massive machinery. Massive bureaucracies and departments of specialists and so on. Masses of them. Uh, they've got huge rooms, they're actually buildings everywhere, where we have people in a circle just staring at screens and watching everything that's happening around them in different areas, but they can't stop any of this. But you want more of it. And the big companies that sell all the equipment are laughing because the money's rolling in. It's great money. You don't have to, to ask the customers to keep buying. No, you, you, you create terror and the government hands over the cash. There's no wheeling and dealing about price. The government's just hand it over. It's a great business to be in for the weapons industries. And so much of it is international. It's not even made in Britain. Most of it's not made in Britain, actually. All the cameras, everything, which always seem to go down when something serious happens, like the 7-7 the seven, seven bombing, for instance. Isn't that strange? They all go down at the same time. When anything big happens, <laughs> and you believe it's all just coincidence, right? we're living in a system that had to be, to be, it was made to be. Every problem is not just an accidental blowback from accidental problems. These are all manufactured and planned and carefully orchestrated to change the whole planet and put it under control of the right people who already financially control it and own it. But they're, they're masses of, of, of bureaucrats and technocrats and scientists, etc., and social engineers and behavioral insights teams and so on that are put in charge of us, uh, who manages all of us. Do you realize even, I was thinking, too, of that THX 1138 movie that was put out back in, oh, was it the 70s maybe? A very old movie. And Robert Duvall was in it. They had to work underground. Uh, to keep all the, the, the power going and atomic uh, energy and so on. They've never seen the surface, a lot of these workers. And when one of them goes kind of rogue in between um, getting drugged, because you must take drugs and you're monitored to make sure you take the drugs and so on, and you're, you're psyched out, so we all these different tests to see if you're doped, uh, but still able to, to function properly at your job, etc., and, and he kind of breaks away from it and start, stops to use pills and starts to think for himself for the first time. And he tries to escape. And he's caught by these robocops eventually with big long sticks like shock sticks that taser him. And, but you, you see him as, the, as he's getting tortured. It, it seems to be just plain torture from, from the, you watching the movie as these, these robocops torture him with long sticks in the different positions in the stomach and wherever he's getting prodded and so on. But you, it, it then pans off back to this big room of, of screens again with white-coated scientists observing everything and observing his reactions. He's, he's literally getting a, a thorough physical uh, of all his nervous system, his brain scans, and as this is all happening. Well, we're here, folks. We're here. <laughs> And that, that, was, that was written about years. Do you think these guys just make up this stuff by themselves? Do you? Do you really think that? It's all here. But uh, I, I was just thinking about that today. And to, in fact, as I say, I was about 
out cutting ice and, and clearing snow for most of this darn week. And I didn't have much time to really look for anything or think about anything to even talk about, which does often happen, especially in the winter. But uh, And sometimes I'll gather stuff to talk about and I'll just toss it away and, and, and just prattle on for where it happens to be in my head at the time, which is more spontaneous, and I think that's the way things should be. But today, as I was hacking away the snow and everything, I thought about this whole sustainability thing and technocracy, and again, the scientists being sent off to the Soviet system, and they had purpose-built communities, uh, so they could build the Soviet, the, the communist empire, that supposedly was going to overthrow the whole world structure. Why would your own governments... And even the British one with, the, with their monarchies and so on. Why would they fund and send their top, top scientists over to the Soviet Union? And their top engineers over there? And, 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 and build homes for them? Streets and streets and towns and communities? Why would you build that for your supposedly people who are going to overthrow you and slaughter you? Why would you do that? There's something here that, that they won't, don't want to tell you. <laughs> Things are not quite uh, as they seem to be or present or as they're presented to you. That's the whole point of them that I try and make here. And it really, I really mean that. Things are vastly different. Vastly different from the way you're trained to believe them to be. You're taught to believe we're stumbling down through time on this mud ball here. And accidents just happen, and, and experts jump in when accidents happen to deal with the problems. You're, you're trained to believe this. The future's planned. I've done, I've done so many shows for so many years, and I've gone through so much history, often from the big players' books themselves that they put out, and their memoirs and everything. And when you, when you read this stuff 70 years ago or 100 years ago, of their dreams and aspirations for ruling the, the world, and you see, in your, in your own lifetime, you saw a lot of it pass, come to pass. You're not reading fiction, and you're not reading Santa Claus letters put out by the bigwigs. This is planned, and they, have, they all belong to international, massively wealthy organizations to make it all happen. It really is astonishing. Who do you think is funding all the color revolutions across the world, and even the yellow vests in France? How are they, all these folk who are protesting for me by year or two in France, where are they, how are they feeding themselves if they're not working but they're protesting every day? Think about it. And now, of course, they've been awfully good and they're protesting. They're protesting. You know, um, I think it said um, Amazon to do with uh, this, this Black Friday sale and all the rest of it and how they're ruining the environment by their commerce and their capitalism. So suddenly they've changed and, and they've, they've hit... Uh, and of course, they'll be, they'll be, um, I'm sure they'll all want to get you off meat and everything else too, and then have you on the GM food that's soaked in pesticides and herbicides and God knows what else. Hmm? That's what I was thinking about today. All this stuff that just goes through your head, at least it goes through my head anyway. But I'll just touch on a few things tonight just to put some stuff in that I found. When you look at technocracy, let's go back to technocracy, for instance, right? I'll put some links up too. I mean, you can buy, you can download their old manifesto, Technocracy, and it again, which which was their was their agenda, part of their agenda. They talked about themselves as a revolutionary movement, a bloodless they called it revolutionary movement. They would just take over and take over and take over, but they would manage all energy resources, including everything you eat. That's all energy, and what you would do, money would be replaced by really credits, like Bertrand Russell said, same kind of thing, tokens uh, dished out, uh, and uh, and they would buy so much energy, because you need energy to live, like electricity or whatever it happens to be, and you need food and things like that. That's all energy. This is what it's all about. And that's, of course, what sustainability is all about. But it came out that Elon Musk's granddad was head of Canada's technocracy movement. His grandfather, Dr. Joshua Haldeman, I think he was a, a chiropractor, I think. They were closed down in Canada by the police, in fact, RCMP, because they were classified as subversive. As I say, it's often hard to distinguish 
uh, when you, you can smell things that they're connected, like communism, technocracy, uh, that kind of thing. I, I think it goes to get socialistic movements where it's all control and orders and no more democracy. They'll use democracy to get in, and then they take it all away from you. That's what they do, because it's not efficient, like the Club of Rome said, the big think tank. The think tank was given the job of finding a reason to take all your rights away that you might believe, like sustainability, you're killing the planet, and therefore you're an enemy to the planet, therefore, you know, yada, yada, yada. Old stuff, right? But here you have it. This starts with Elon Musk is a technocrat on the basis of beliefs and actions. What we didn't know is that his Canadian grandfather, Joshua Haldeman, was an avid supporter of technocracy and he served as research director and ultimately became the head of Technocracy Inc. party in Canada. But they had it in different countries and states too. I think a university in, in, in the states, they gave a department at one point to technocracy. But anyway, folk never catch on to what's all about, what's going on here. Is it, is it just coincidence that Elon Musk's, his grandfather left, of course, the country, in fact, kind of ran out of it in a sense. And here you have it now, you have Canada and the government of Canada using their tax money to, to, fund, to fund his projects of changes, again, energy into electric cars. Isn't that something? Eh? It's interesting, too, that technocracy because it was based on energy. Uh, they used a lot of terms from electricity in science, but electricity for sure. And I think new converts into it. And it was almost, it was almost a cult-like thing, very cult-like and secretive, and had, had graduated levels of, of, of indoctrination for the members up the top. And they even had their own salute form, you know, a hand salute and so on for public. It's very Nazi-ish in some ways. Because, they, you know, and they all wore grey suits, by the way. The grey men wore grey suits. The technocrats really uh, saw humanity and the whole planet, really, and all life as forms of energy. They could be quantified and measured and even given value. Rather dangerous, isn't it? And they named their apprentices or the, or the novices, inductees, the new novices, into their system and called them Farads after Michael Faraday. And they had other names of their scientists as you up the ladder, basically. And Faraday, of course, uh, I think they, they chose it probably because you probably remember from your science classes and chemistry and so on, and electrical energy, that Faraday really uh, was a pioneer in electromagnetism and capacitance, which is still used uh, his, uh, his, well, Farad's facility to measure these units of capacitance and electricity and components and so on. It's a bit ironic, of course, that they chose Faraday because Faraday himself was, he belonged to the, to the Glassites, basically, as an offshoot of the Scottish uh, church. They spread through England and went to America too eventually, but they didn't believe that government um, should interfere or be involved in religion or have any power over religion at all. And uh, you find that Faraday himself turned down so many titles from the Royal Societies and Royal Institute, etc., because he wanted to be a simple, plain guy. He said that himself, didn't want titles, but he was such a famous scientist in his day influenced all other scientists in that field that came after him. And uh, he would be appalled to see that uh, inductees into something called technocracy, who wanted to take over the world as resources and manage it, as they said, properly by the proper people, meaning themselves. He would be appalled by it because Faraday himself, he believed in peace. He didn't believe, he was even given offers, big offers from the British government to create chemical weapons against for Britain's war against the, the Russians in the Crimea. And he refused to, to have anything to do with making weaponry uh, for the government's purposes. But you think about, <laughs> you, you think about it too. Elon Musk's car is a, a Tesla. Hmm? Nikola Tesla. Yes, it's all coincidence, folks. Yes, eh? it's all coincidence that your governments are all funding 
people who, who, who literally are never elected to do anything. They're given all this strange leeway to do whatever they want that affects all of us. Isn't that interesting? It interests me. It's quite fascinating to see it all in action and to realize there's a much bigger organization running this whole system than you'll ever imagine, and many compartments to it with different names, but all working together in specialized departments. It's fascinating, really, isn't it? And it says here, this is one of history's recurring themes, and this, again, is from Patrick Wood, awfully good website he's put up. He worked with Anthony Sutton, who put out a lot of excellent books, in fact, on the system uh, and a lot of different parts of this big system that rule over us and with the technocrats and the trilaterals, of course, that are appointees. They're just appointed to top positions everywhere. And they were all previously members of the CFR. They're elevated up to trilaterals and they have this almost incredible authority, but they've never been elected by anybody in the planet, basically. They're all over the place. They're in central banking systems. They're appointed to even take over, as I say, like Greece and Italy. Uh, when it had a bit financial chaos, these guys were just thrown right in there to run the countries for them. Nobody was asked if they minded, and that's how it's done, folks. And then even, even you know, Grobe Brutland, who is part of the elders group, is called the elders for sustainability. The whole world socialist uh, movement, basically, is, is really a cover for for total management of the planet by experts, unelected experts. That's what it really boils down to. You see, efficiency, efficiency for those who just say, you know, we could run this world uh, so well, but the people wouldn't elect us. So it's got to do it uh, and get appointed to it until it becomes normal. And once it's normal, then we'll, we'll, we'll have our new system. Very much like you see for, uh, things to come that H.G. Wells had, his book and the movie, uh, that kind of thing, where they go off into the future. And these top scientists, then, then their own children, by the way, and grandchildren, have the same positions running the world as engineers and scientists. Very interesting. Because there's an old movement, even before they gave it the name technocracy, it was already there and under different guises. So anyway, I'll put the, the, these articles up. And then, then you also have... As I say, Patrick Wood did an excellent job. He's, he's written some books like Technocracy Rising, uh, the, the Trojan Horse of Global Transformation, and uh, Trilaterals Over Washington, Volumes 1 and 2. I think when Jimmy Carter was in, uh, that was the first time in the public had ever heard the term uh, trilaterals. And, and he was surrounded by these appointed trilaterals in, in his uh, cabinet, his political cabinet. And since then, they've been all over the place. They're everywhere, actually. Trump is appointing quite a few right now. In fact, our laterals in the top positions, for those who don't know. <laughs> and uh, these are the guys who get things done. The real movers and shakers. They're not uh, responsible to the public for anything or criticism. They don't, they, the public don't even know they exist, generally. But anyway, I'll, I'll, put, I'll put some of these articles up. And again, The Last Utopians is a good little article. I'll put that up as well. It says, Grey-suited technocrats, and it shows you the pictures, rally at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles in 1941. That's just before they got banned, basically, for being subversive and so on, when they started to catch on what they were up to. <laughs> and it was, had so much in common with, with the Soviet communist system. Because they're all, and it's, so inter- it's interesting, too, because Carl Quigley said the same thing. He says, when he, when he was talking about the conspiracy theorists, you know, and quickly wrote Tragedy and Hope, the big book, plus the Anglo-American establishment. Excellent book to read. Uh, but it gives you the real version of history from their own records, because they have their own archival records of history as they make it in the CFR, and the trilateral, actually, because I mean, lots of this, the trilaterals have all been members, and still are, I guess, members of the CFR, and they go up another degree. But uh, quickly talked about it, and he says... Uh, he says, he says, yeah, these people who are talking about uh, that, that were communists and so on, he says they're not completely incorrect. He says, is it because our goals, our goals, he says, right, are very similar to communism. Well, communism was for a rule by experts, folks. Scientific socialism, etc. 
a complete rule by experts. And in this mess, like Club of Rome would say, of democracy, where different parties oppose each other and things can't get done and blah, 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 you see. Last week I mentioned, too, we could never, ever have total efficiency. If you get total efficiency, we're not human anymore. And you're not free. Not free at all. Who, whose definition of, of efficiency will you be living under? Well, the, the characters I'm talking tonight, you see. Exactly. The characters who will drug you. And dope you. In many ways, you won't even understand. And scientifically engineer a society as the process that they've been doing all along anyway. Hmm? But anyway, the last utopians, it says here, they came out as, as Technocracy Inc., as I say, in the 1930s during the Depression and uh, the Financial Depression. So it was a good time to launch it. But as I say, these these organizations, most organizations exist before under different names. Under different names. And now, of course, uh, folk, if if they're presented in in the television advising some, some politician or some government, you think nothing of it. Well, you don't elect these characters, folks, any more than you elect all these different characters from CFR, the think tanks that they run. You don't vote them in. So why are, they, why, why are the governments obeying them rather than obeying the public? Mind you, the public are selling the mass these days. They train you out of being involved, don't they? Leave it to the experts. Is that, isn't that what they say? <laughs> And it's sad to say, but the, the U.S. Uh, um, still used to, not too long ago, used to always remind governments that they're supposed to be run by the people and not being ruled by government. Huh? Big difference. Anyway, this article here, the, 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 the Utopians, as they call it, the last Utopians, it's not a bad little story about it, but the, the, again, it's, it, it doesn't go into the fact that they wanted to, to do away with borders. Just the same thing, the coincidence, say, Karl Marx wanted a united Europe, right, elimination of borders, and a centralized government for Europe. They got it. The Royal Institute for International Affairs, under the, the, the old group, the, Alfred, the Milner Group, wanted a centralized uh, government for Europe. Same thing, see, borderless. And they set up the United Nations for the same thing. And they wanted the same thing for the Americas. Well, the technocrats wanted a borderless continent, basically, Canada, Mexico, Central America, into one single nation under a regime of engineers and technicians. Hmm? You think it's all coincidence that all the different names they give to these uh, all want the same thing. They all are parts of the same thing. (laughs) There you go. Anyway, it says in this article that uh, political parties, along with money and all the trappings of their present price-based economic system, which Scott, the one of the guys who was a founder in Canada, saw as incompatible with the distribution of the industry's output would be things of the past. The economy would be based on energy, the capacity to perform work. Hmm? And the new currency would be energy certificates. Exactly the same as Bertrand Russell said. Qualifying every citizen to an equal share of the continent's wealth. Ha, 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 ha. Utopia. Believe that if you want, right? People would work four hours per day, four hours per week, between the ages of 25 and 45. There you go. Yeah, And again, pigs might fly. But says, as originally conceived, there'd be no democracy in the technate, that's what they call it. No elections, no parliaments, because the technocrats claimed even democracies, questions of fundamental importance are never submitted to popular vote, which is true. That is true. You've been weaned off it carefully as these characters took over to be involved. And so you don't even expect to be asked. Hmm? So instead, there would be a single disciplined organization under one jurisdiction that would be responsible for the smooth functioning of society. There you go. Isn't that wonderful? One single party system, eh? Hmm? Isn't that something? It says, John Darwell, the current head of technocracy in British Columbia, has since put it, you don't get on a plane and vote as to whom should be the pilot. And, uh, but, but so in other words, you know, they should use the same technique with ruling, ruling you, your countries. That's what they're only really getting at, of course. It's quite interesting. It still exists today, as they say, but it's actually elevated high above what even was then. And, to, and I would say even to more kind of socialistic secret societies. And the ones at the bottom, the old characters, might not even know. 
But say when you look at the, the, even the elders that run in the CFR and, and the United Nations, that's what it's called, the elders. When you see the same agendas getting pushed by them all, exactly all the same, they are the same, they are the one, the one system. And it mentions here to other technocrats were not so lucky. And it says, Walter Friars, now 94, remembers we were astonished when the RCMP padlocked our section premises, took records, furniture, everything. No charges were made, it says here, except for one. Our technocrats were not so lucky. A Regina chiropractor, Dr. Jai N. Haldeman, faced trial as a member of an illegal organization. He was acquitted, it says. But yet he left the country. I guess that was part of the deal, I don't know. Because it was, it was classed as a subversive organization. Right, who wanted to take over and get rid of government, and they would be the government, you see, obviously. So anyway, I'll put these articles up for those who care to look at it and put things together for themselves. But you cannot deny that we have no say in anything. And the so-called democratic countries, you've been weaned out of any idea. In fact, in most countries, in fact, you've never had any idea. You've never been asked about anything. Uh, what matters. Switzerland is a different country. Switzerland has got far more rights for the public and the governments cannot do anything on any major scale without asking for a, a vote across the country. As it should be, you see. And that's that way uh, the people always hear but who wants to take your rights away and dominate you and they vote against it. So, so, so bills not don't even get passed but the public get a vote on, on the different bills that are put forward. And the Western societies, we don't even have that. It's inefficient, you see, giving, giving this idea of democracy, for goodness sake. Margaret Thatcher was honest. I've mentioned this quite a few times. I remember it quite plainly. I used to be intrigued because I, I've never really trusted any politicians, I must admit. I can remember in, in Britain uh, when Margaret Thatcher got in, and at that time I was traveling in different countries in Europe. And when she went across to Europe, I would hear her giving pretty well opposing speeches in other countries from the one she was giving in Britain sometimes. And she wasn't any different from any other politician on that, on that score. Once she retired and, and left, and she became a member of the same uh, the trilateral group. And she said that. She said, I, I now belong to a group that was unelected. And we, we know all the other members that we worked with and, and got to meet with different presidents and prime ministers and, and heads of, of um, a, 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 the different civil service in different countries. And we can make agendas and get things done without interference from political parties. So you understand how it works? This is how it works. This is how it works. And the U.S., remember, is supposed to be um, a republic, a constitutional republic, set up so it couldn't be broken or taken over by any other group. And that's long gone, as you well know. Anyway, um, I'll put again this one up, this article up too. But Canada is a big place for it. Canada is very big for, for different uh, communistic policies, and uh, quite a lot of communists, in fact. And I remember to win the first defector from the Soviet Union the first defector we know of in the, in the Cold War after World War II happened. He left the, the embassy, the Russian embassy in, uh, in Ottawa and uh, came across trying to get in from the cold, as to say. He'd been hunted by his own people. And he, it, it was um, Mackenzie King it was in at the time. And Mackenzie King panicked when, this, when he was told by the RCMP that this, this guy was trying to get access, get, get sanctuary and be taken in. Because at that time, after World War II, there was propaganda that suddenly the, you know, the nasty Soviet system became awfully good. You know, Uncle Joe, it became Uncle Joe Stalin, he was just fighting the Germans. And that propaganda was still so, he didn't want to upset, he didn't want to upset the Soviet Union. But luckily the guy got taken in by other people and, uh, and talked about it. But a whole list of all the, the high-level bureaucrats throughout the Canadian government that were communist uh, members who were actually sending all their data over uh, to Moscow. Cameron's very, very big. Never changed, by the way, on that. But again, I'm getting off the, off the topic, but I could go into whole talks on the communists that ran Canada and uh, their histories and all the rest of it, going back to the 20s and 30s.
So anyway, um, I'll put these ones up on Canada for those who want to, to, because there's not much time in an hour, is there? This is just a quick search of things, too, to get, uh, that came up before I started talking, so I'm sure you can all do your own research and, and find a lot of it, too. That keeps you, it'll make you, if you really are interested in it, to see what it is. It's only one part. It ties completely into sustainability and the environmental movement and everything else, for that matter. Right down to even who will live and who dies eventually, the right kind of people. Because it's a class system, very much so. Although they pretend it's not. Remember, energy units, and the more, the more you produce, the more energy credits you'll get. You understand that? The United Nations says, the UN says that the definition of a good global citizen is a good producer and consumer. Well, if you retire, you get sick or you're disabled, you're not a producer anymore. Think about it. And what are they offering you now? Started, I think it started in Holland initially and spread across. Here's a pill at 25 cents. That'll get rid of you. You know, it's cheaper than, than keeping you alive, etc., etc. That's your health care. That's where it's come to, folk. You better think about this. I'm not. I'm quite serious about it. Quite serious. And if you get taken in uh, to emergency, you better be very careful now, because they'll hit you with the with the, with three wise men, you know, or women. It depends. Who who their job is to sush out fast, fast, and if you think you may have a terminal problem far easier to convince you. And, and they bring us a very suave, good, you know, somebody who's really trained in it, very friendly character up to you. He'll give you a little talk and, and get you ready for the, the final exit very quickly, very cheap. That's the world we're in. We're getting managed like, like little, little carbon units, you see, because we're, we're ours. I've mentioned it for years and years. We are uh, based, we're, we're carbon-based creatures. All life on the planet is here. It's only in Star Trek you had uh, the silicon-based systems, <laughs> but not as your carbon. So carbon's got a price. Yeah. Energy. Right? You are energy. And you consume energy. But I'll put it up anyway. Getting back to, to the technocrats who are appointed over us all, right? And the Brexit Article 50, this is the one that they're using to try and keep Britain in, or, or Britain could use to get out if they wanted to, if they could satisfy the European Union. Actually, the, the whole thing's a farce. You know darn well they could have got out if they wanted to when they first won the vote. That, that was all legal. If the man had uh, taken a little cabinet with him up to see the Queen and got permission, he could have literally taken over right there. We all know this. We all know it. It wasn't meant to happen. Different things are on the go, obviously. But the guy who created Article 50, Brexit, um, creator is a keynote speaker at Insider, and Scotland is now top 500 business breakfast, it says. In other words, this guy was at business breakfast, etc. Care, his name is. He's the Barn Care of Kinlochard, and is said to be the keynote speaker at the Insider, and Scotland is now top 500 business breakfast early in the new year. He's a crossbench or independent peer, uh, and uh, he's at the heart of the parliamentary debate on Brexit as he goes through the machinery of my government. And he said, I don't feel guilty about inventing the mechanism. I feel very sad about the UK using it. I didn't think that the United Kingdom would use it, he says. So he invented that, that, that clause 50. Former diplomat care has been key to development of the EU, European Union, over many years. First as British representative to the EU at the time of John Major's government. And he's also, guess what, naturally, a real doer. He's a technocrat. And, well, he's a technocrat by being a trilateralist. He's a trilateralist. He's an appointee. These are the guys who do things. None of them are elected, folks. They're just put there, and they get it done. And they all know what the job is. Never to be discussed to the public, naturally. But he was permanent secretary under the Foreign and Commonwealth Office at the time of Tony Blair's government before becoming an independent peer in the House of Lords in 2004. His business career has been as a director of Shell, you know, a big petroleum company, and then chairing the group of directors who brought about the creation of Royal Dutch Shell uh, in 2005. He was deputy chairman and senior independent director of the company until 2012. And guess what, you know, maybe the big company... Rio Tinto, there was a Rothschild and, and, um, and Queen Elizabeth of England, a company. They were the big co-owners of it. 
He was the director of Rio Tinto Zinc from 2003 to 2015. There's a, there's a proper trilateral member, you see. Remember taking over the, the world's resources, like I mentioned before, and so on. So the right folk are in charge of it all. This is a real mover and shaker. But he's only one of many, huh? One of many. But yeah, he's a, he's a, a trilateral member. There you go. Appointed by his private secretive club, eh? I mean, you all think you live in democracies. <laughs> and an article, too, at, uh, from the, the United Nations itself. Business leaders join the UN to rev up sustainable development investments. So there's your CEOs, right, big corporations, uh, to join the United Nations to rev up sustainable development investments. Again, that's te- technocracy. You would call that technocracy, you see. Remember, too, as I mentioned before, that old David Rockefeller, you know, many years ago, before he was old, was a big player in all of this, uh, this movement. He ran the, the CFR group for the U.S. and had a big, he was on the board of it and uh, he was the chairman of it. And also he was up there with the Trilateral Commission. He belonged to the same British organizations, of course, for globalization. And um, because the CFR is just a part of the British system of the Royal Institute for International Affairs, private organizations, the elite club, as they call it, you know. And he said the same thing, that uh, competition is a sin. He didn't believe, and don't, don't forget what his father had done, that they'd taken over the resources of all energy for, for America. Remember that, that's what, the, that's what the, the whole idea was. All energy resources of, his, of the era had been gobbled up by Standard Oil and the other departments they had for all other factions of energy. This is ongoing. Same club that the, the, the City of London group were involved in and so on. So here's your CEOs, as Carl quickly said, yeah, the, the, the new feudal leaders, the feudal leaders are CEOs of big corporations. Business leaders join UN to rev up sustainable development investments. You better understand what you're reading and hearing when you hear these things. Most folk don't because it's not spelled out to them like I'm doing here. <laughs> So the Global Investors for Sustainable Development Alliance is called GISD, a UN-supported coalition of 30 business leaders, works to provide de- decisive leadership and mobilizing resources for sustainable development, with the core objective being to identify incentives for long-term sustainable investments. And of course they want a depopulation program. Of course they do. You take energy away from people, down goes your hygiene, down goes your food supply and your protein, and you start getting sick. Huh? You can't heat yourself, you die off, you die off, you die off, and this is what they say they must have. It's quite amazing, it really is. And, uh, and who, 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 who was the guy who was at the head of this meeting? Antonio Guterres. You might as well call him a communist, eh? the United Nations, international socialist. But uh, he told business leaders they are committing to cooperate across borders, across financial sectors, and even with our competitors, because it's both ethical and good business sense to invest in sustainable development for all people on a healthy planet. Hmm? Did you vote for any of these folk? No. But it's in your face, folks. It truly is in your face. It really is. Also, too, I'd like to put up an article on the late Patrick Moore, who was one of the, the, the characters involved in Greenpeace and all the rest of it. This article is called Patrick Moore, Should We Celebrate Carbon Dioxide? And he was, in, he was talking at the Global Warming Policy Foundation, it's called. And he said, should we celebrate carbon dioxide? And, and he talks about it. He goes through some of his history and how Greenpeace started. And how it was really against nuclear weaponry initially. That's how they started when the whole planet was being threatened to get blown up, another big fake thing as far as I'm concerned. Fear is great for changing the system and putting all the power that you have in, and personally into the hands of those who rule over you, or even creating those who rule over you. you know? That's what fear is fears all for. It's just the contention that human emissions are now the dominant influence on climate is simply a hypothesis rather than a universally accepted scientific theory. 
is therefore correct indeed verging on compulsory in the scientific tradition to be sceptical of those who express certainty that the science is settled and the debate is over. It says, but there is certainty beyond any doubt that CO2, carbon dioxide, is a building block for all life on Earth. And without its presence in the global atmosphere at sufficient concentration, this would be a dead planet. Yet today our children and our publics are taught that CO2 is a toxic pollutant that will destroy life and bring civilization to its knees. Tonight I hope to turn this dangerous human-caused propaganda on its head. And it demonstrates that human emissions of CO2 have already saved life and the planet from a very untimely end. If it's, if it's, and, and if you bring down your CO2 and, and cut to zero, all life on the planet would die. Oh, we understand this, folks. But he goes through how the environmental movement signed off with the right, the right idea and then moved off into whole different areas into the sustainability on behalf of their masters way above them, <laughs> which they don't even know of them even exist, actually. Yeah, it's quite amazing. He goes through the history of it, and it's awfully interesting. Awfully interesting how people can start off. I think, too, I think even Lord Monckton also was involved with Greenpeace, too, and he, again, was disillusioned, too, when it moved off into the other radical areas, you see, and lost its track of what it's supposed to be. But any organization that starts off with good intentions will be quickly taken over by the single world organization that runs everything, very quickly. Very, very quickly. It's the same, they used to call it the Patriot Movement at one time in the U.S., where they had lots of good educated speakers on their histories and so on, and what happened and who was taking over what, etc. Not conspiracies, but they had the facts to present, but they were quickly infiltrated. Same in Britain, as, as the, even the BBC churned out people as experts in conspiracies. And they grab all the, the conspiracy stuff and add ridiculous stuff into it, and then ridiculed it. That's how, that's counterintelligence. That's how, that's how it works for, if you don't understand that. They must copy all the good stuff that people are saying until the people who are sticking to the facts, the basic facts, get lumped in as, to, as, as to conspiracy theorists or chasing aliens or something, whatever it happens to be. Anyway, uh, this is a good article, as I say, about someone who is involved and uh, heavily involved and someone who's well-educated in his field, of course. He's a, he's a PhD, and he's a member of these organizations, and, and he talked to the Global Warming Policy Foundation, right? And there you go. Tells you a lot about it, what it's really all about, and how they're basically getting used, etc., etc. He says, he says, the first principle of ecology is that we are all part of the same ecosystem. As Barbara Ward put it, one human family on spaceship Earth and to preach otherwise teaches that the world would be better off without us. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. The world would be better off without us. You, you, it's so interesting, too, that many years ago, in some of the books I read on communism, they talked about how they would unleash, um, basically, the, the, the atheists and nihilists, the nihilists on the world. And, and communism did that, too. Even the French Revolution was a, was a precursor to the same organization, actually with a big revolution, and um, they started killing off folk in the, in the rural areas to bring down the population, control the food supply. They took a lot of the farmers in the French Revolution in different areas around Paris and different places in France, and they put them on barges and rivers and sunk them. And, of course, the, the scarcity of food goes up, the price goes up, etc., etc., and then they bring in their own experts. They, and folk, again, turned to, to their government, no matter if it's a revolutionary one, to save them all as the, as the same government's destroying you. What they did, of course, they, they, they let the, the prisoners out of the Bastille. That's a standard thing to do. Castro did it, too, in Cuba. When they go in, and, and the U.S. were <laughs> getting flooded with all these guys who were hardened criminals from Cuba. And uh, in, in Russia, the same thing, the Bolsheviks, uh, let the, all these murderers and so on out their prisons to cause mayhem in the streets, etc. And they could recruit them too for their murderous policies. That was the same agenda. Eh? So the Club of Rome tells us that mankind's the enemy, but we're all the enemy, you see. 
And you've got these radical uh, young armies being trained by your own taxpayers' money through the schooling system and propaganda and their television programs and dramas and movies that the people are the enemy. And in a system that feeds you as the enemy, food's bad too, the stuff you're eating's all bad. And you're just wasteful, wasteful suicide to use all energy until you probably freeze to death in the winter, perhaps. Or boil over in summer heat in some of the hotter climes. The nihilist and the atheist. It's an awfully good term to use because that's what it is. You see it today. But anyway, as I said, this one article is awfully, awfully good. And I'll put it up. Patrick Moore, the late Patrick Moore. Very intelligent guy, well educated in his field, and who was an, a, an advocate of so much of the, the policies until he saw it getting taken over and being completely waylaid for other other purposes. Quite amazing. And uh, I've got many articles, and I've not had time to go through on the Trilateral Commission and the different members who uh, recently have been appointed, even with Trump and different people too. One of them, of course, was Kenneth Juster, his name is. Uh, Kenneth Juster, a member of the Trilateral Commission. And uh, it's so interesting, too, what he was involved with, Mr. Juster, because they're big players, you know, but they're kept fairly quiet from the public. And um, he was a member of the National Security Council. Now he's been appointed ambassador to India. And from 2010 to 17, he was managing director of the global investment firm Warburg Pincus. The Warburg family's very close ties to Nazi Germany in the 1930s were fully exposed by the late Anthony Sutton. And since Warburg Pincus had massive investments in India, Juster presents a huge conflict of interest. Isn't that coincidental? It's all coincidence, isn't it? (laughs) And so um, that's how things really work, isn't it? And of course, I've got articles too from the United Nations there, and uh, calling for, uh, oh, basically, um, to ban all kinds of speech now, to keep us safe, you understand. It's because the, 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 there's so much coming out in the public. It's got to be squashed very quickly, very quickly, because the last thing they want is another generation of young folk, enough young people, who can think for themselves, who can take it in what's happened in the past and see what's happening now, and, and who, who might have 60 years or 70 years to live. Down the, they don't want anybody who understands what's, going to be, what's been happening to, to go on very far from now, actually. Hmm? People with memories are a problem, and they're getting awfully, awfully strict now on, on squashing your freedom of speech. It's got to be done. And of course, Facebook's one of the big ones that they're using it. Facebook and all these organizations are big, big technocrats, as I say, put out there for the global structure. These are not self-made people. Do you really believe this stuff? Do you really honestly believe it? Hmm? You believe the, the Hollywood version? Hmm? Anyway, I'm going to just mention to finish up here. Again, another article on the Homeland Security that says that uh, they're going to hold the biometric data on 229 million citizens in the U.S. by 2022. That's a couple of years. Time. Aren't we free, eh? Aren't, aren't we really, really free? Isn't this wonderful, this freedom, isn't it? Isn't it great? And as I say, the United Nations is putting through all the different hate. They're demanding that the hate laws are put in. If you discuss things and stop using certain words and all that, the complete language police are in power now, you see. They've got to shut everybody up. If you can't converse by using the right terminology, you can't get the point across, just like Orwell talked about in 1984, isn't it? Isn't that what you said? There's a meeting in in, in their canteen, their food place, they're having their, their meal. Nothing, not, even, the, even the meat isn't real, as they say there too. It looks like meat, smells like, but there's no meat in it at all. That's what they said. That's where you're going, folks. 1984. Published 1948. By someone who knew what was going to happen. He was up there. But he, he also talked about, in the book, at the table, in the canteen, when the, the guy from a different department, the department for, for basically um, the dictionary or words, you see, he showed him the latest dictionary. He says, the latest dictionary is getting thinner and thinner. He says, he says, oh, I see, brother, I see. So, so 
when it's really this thin, very, very thin, he says, that they, they won't have the words to even uh, express or communicate um, revolution. So you, you couldn't be a counter-revolutionary to the system if you couldn't converse. Isn't that amazing? Well, here they are taking all the, all the proper um, terminology out you could, that you must use to describe things. Taking it out because it's hateful and it's nasty and it's bad. Hmm? There you go. Isn't that just coincidence? Isn't it? It's just coincidence. Don't you know that? And just to, to finish that, talking about nothing's really real in the system that we're born into and that we're running in today. Because hmm? it really isn't. You, you are not free. You've never been free. You, you never ask about anything that matters. If they do give you some kind of vote like Brexit, they won't go through with it. <laughs> That's how it's done. But here's what George Orwell said in, about 19, in 1984, the book. Run by experts, eh? the system back then, that's what it's all about. Every record has been destroyed or falsified. Every book rewritten. Every picture has been repainted. Every statue and street building has been renamed. Every date has been altered. And the process is continuing. Day by day and minute by minute, history has stopped. Nothing exists except an endless present in which the party is always right. George Orwell, 1984. From the South Island Water Frontier, Canada's good night. May your God or your gods go with you.